I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again having our current, I almost forgot, current historical, (laughs) hysterical and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. I almost forgot my part. <laughs> I like started saying it. And I was like, "Wait, is that Rebecca's part?" <laughs> I know. I actually almost forgot that there was an, that there was a part. <laughs> after. We are not at our best selves today. Not at our best. Uh, it's all right. It happens. Love us anyway, please. Um, first, we're gonna talk about some fun childbearing. Facts, facts, childbirth <laughs> facts, childbirth facts. Yeah, yeah childbirth something. Facts. <laughs> uh, facts relating to the birth of children. Yeah, and then we're gonna talk to Bonnie Silva, who is an amazing uh, doula. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Bonnie's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then stick around to the end because I found out something really cool about hermit crabs this week, and it's giving all of us life, all of us. And please. Don't forget to donate to us on glow.fm slash welcome to my vagina because we can't do this without you and your money. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no joke. Help the community. Yeah. Us. Yeah. <laughs> us being the community. Merchandise. Who wants a vagina on underwear, briefs, thongs? Send us a message. Welcome to my vagina at gmail.com or on Instagram at welcome to my vagina. Yeah. Ooh, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to do a couple interesting facts about childbirth. Yeah. That was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that midwives attend only 4% of births in the United States and 75% of births in Europe? I did not know that. That's a lot. A baby earned the nickname bungee cord baby when he fell out of his mother while she stood up from her wheelchair. What? Wow. That's, okay. <laughs> That's crazy. During the 1700s in France, the umbilical cords of royal babies were dusted with powdered cumin and mirror. Why? I don't even know what mirror is. Why? I don't. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. This okay. might have to be something that we look up later. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. interested. Oh my god, that's so sad. 
What? If the mother's vagina holds sexually transmitted bacteria like chlamydia or gonorrhea during childbirth, it can cause the baby to go blind. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not happy. That's Sorry. really Woof. sad. Uh, even though 95% of women are considered low risk and able to give birth without medical intervention, only 2% of them do so. Hmm. Um, all mammals except humans routinely eat their placenta after giving birth. That's interesting. Yeah. Except what's her face does? so squeamish about What's it? her name? Christina. What was her name? She was in Mad Men. Mad Men placenta eater. Oh. Uh, what was her name? Fuck. It'll tell me. January Jones. <laughs> Christina. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> Uh, oh, a tradition exists in Bali that includes cleaning the placenta, putting it in a container, and burying it in an intricate ceremony. I think that's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Some women of the merchant class in 19th century China had a Taoist priest whisper prayers into their ears during childbirth to encourage an easy delivery. So here's, here's my thing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and assume that the priest was a male. Maybe yeah. that's wrong of me, but I feel like. I think that's fair. The last thing that I would want in childbirth is any man. I don't care if you talk to God or whatever. Whispering, whispering in my fucking ear. <laughs> like I feel like that's dangerous. Yeah, you're like take those, <laughs> take those, those nothing somewhere else, please. right? <laughs> like if I please. ever even have a baby, I don't even know if my husband should be like within arms reach. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be that mom who screams, "You did this to me." <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, in the Netherlands and Japan, most women choose not to take any form of pain medication during childbirth at all. Oh. Yeah. Wait, where? In the Netherlands and also Japan. Do you? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'd be like, give me the shot. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably would, too. I think I probably would, too. Babies. Babies. And now we're going to now we're going to talk to Bonnie. Get out! Oh, no. <gasps> what do you look like? I shouldn't have gone in there. Don't go in there. Promise me you don't go in there. Cool. Well, we're here with Bonnie Silva. Hi. Oh my God. Hi. Did I say that right? I think I. Yeah, it's Bonnie Silva. It a bit. No, totally. <laughs> I know people like love to think that my name is some sort of a crazy, awesome nickname, and I'm just like, no, that's just me. <laughs> there was a girl I went to high school with whose first name was Jenny, just Jenny. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I always wondered, like, how many people would be like, oh, is that. Is that short for Jennifer? Yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you a lot. Totally. That probably yeah. happens to her all the fucking time. Yeah. Because yeah, totally. I go by Jesse and my on my birth certificate, it says Jessica. But I don't know why people always ask me that. It drives me fucking crazy. I've talked about it on the podcast like 10 times. Yeah. yeah. But for what me, it's they... like you ask me what my name is. And I told you that yeah. it's Jesse. Even my mother calls me Jesse. Yeah. So what does it matter if it's on my birth? Like, because they'll be like, yeah, but what's your real name? And I'll be like, my real name is Jesse. Yeah. That's but it's I mean. also like, I also wonder, like, what else do they, I, we've also talked about this, is like, what else is Jesse short for? Like, like yeah, exactly. I mean, there are yeah. a couple I of other no possibilities, just, right? Um, yeah. Like, no Jessamine, maybe, but like, really, like, that's not common. So just assume. Like, just, yeah, make an assumption, make an assumption and fucking move along, dude. I told you what I like to be called. Move, move along. Move along. Yeah, so like, there are two things about my name that are interesting. People always think it's a nickname, and I'm like, what would it be short for? Bonita? And I'm like, same amount of letters, first of all. And then second You're of like, all- what's Nick about that? Yeah, there's no nickname about that, my friend. And then second of all, like 90% of the people that with the name Bonnie are like 60 years old, so- it's a it's a conundrum, but it's yeah. kind of cool. But it's like eh, all yeah. at the same time. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, Bonnie, how did you become a doula? Why did you want to be a doula? Well, tell, tell us about your path. 
No, that's like a really, really great question. I get I get that <laughs> asked that a lot. No, that's true though. But I get asked that a lot, and quite frankly, it's a really great question because I'm 37 years old and I have absolutely like no desire to have kids. Right? Yeah. And it's a and it's an educated choice because I think that when I so when I was 33, I decided to do like a yoga teacher training because mm-hmm. I was kind of tired of being bartender server and I couldn't see myself physically doing that Mm -hmm. for a very long time so I was like thinking about the big picture Mm -hmm. yeah I mean you know as you get older your joints and all of the things and it's it's physically like debilitating Mm -hmm. over time where they just make like click clacks as you yeah it's like like I I have like a whole like fossey fossey inside my body every time I walk so long story short I was doing a yoga training and I was just like oh my god I suck at teaching so I was like let me try to do like a, a, a specific certification in the yoga industry. So I did prenatal. And within the prenatal, that's when I met Lindsay Bliss. She was a she is a doula, but at the time she was pregnant with her seventh kid. And she wow. came in and talked about being doulas. So in the prenatal certification, we knew what we found out what midwives were, what doulas were, what, you know, different settings in the pregnancy world, which I had no idea anything about. So for me, it was very educational. Yeah. So, so many different areas of doula. Absolutely. I kind of want a life doula. Like, I mean, <laughs> like no, no baby <laughs> attached. Just like, you know, like a life coach doula. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> I'm sure comforting. I'm sure there's somebody out there. So with so again, so within the prenatal certification, met Lindsay. She talked about being a doula. It really like resonated with me, and I kind of felt a calling or like found quote unquote my gift or whatever you want to call it in the hokey pokey world researched researched it loved it did a certification and was invited to join carriage house so that's kind of like how i started my doula career and i think that becoming a doula so this was like three years ago so over the course of the three years i've been like my mind has been blown many many times and i'm surprised i still have a brain because (laughs) (laughs) because like the the knowledge that i've been gaining over time and i just every time i learn something new Either if I'm with a client at a hospital or if I'm doing a postpartum or if I'm doing an overnight with a preemie baby that's like three days old, mm-hmm. you know, I'm learning all of these things. At the same time, like, yes, I have experience, so I'm able to care and I'm able to provide service. Yeah. But of course, it's also a career that you learn a lot. And by learning all of these things, I'm surprised that we don't talk about it in society. Um, I don't, I'm surprised that we don't talk about how women's bodies morph into something totally different as we get older as we have kids our vaginas change you know like nowadays probiotics is a thing in my life now hmm. you know Interesting. yeah totally yeah collagen I mean, is really good like I you guess know we don't talk about what we're afraid of we don't know? talk about a lot of things because i feel like it, women and anybody that has a vulva mm-hmm. i feel like they're you know and i'm saying specifically women I think that we're afraid of aging. We're afraid of talking about things that make us uncomfortable. Also, because society makes us makes us feel like it's a it's shameful and it's guilty. Yeah, Does I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I also think if you like, if you look at e- even just like speaking about motherhood as a specific thing, like pregnancy, childbirth, all yeah. that kind of stuff, it's totally. it's been protected in our um in our national conversation as this like magical thing that mm. happens and it's like the magic of the magic of childbirth like how many times have you heard that and it's Ugh, and like so many times and and it's like yeah it's an incredible thing like we build 
babies, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it's like there's so much more to it than just than than that. That is just like I don't know what people are afraid of happening. Are they afraid that if women know what childbirth is like and what like how it changes your body and all this other stuff that they won't have kids like that's not going to happen i think it's because we don't normalize things very much you know Uh, for example specifically when i have a birth client i try to normalize birth as much as possible i talk about anatomy i talk about what muscles in your body actually relate to what's going on in your labor and by normalizing it you know i'm trying to normalize the fear the anxiety that's happening like can you imagine that you're having a fetus growing inside of you that's no, like super alien like that's super <laughs> fucking freaky yeah right it's just it's a freaky idea mm-hmm. and when you start to normalize and try to think about like sure like your body literally created a placenta yeah mm-hmm. like that's freaking amazing it's yeah. really yeah. cool yeah like how your the chemistry in your body creates a different organ in order to sustain a life inside of you yeah it's a pretty like so once you start normalizing the situation you start to have it be less of a fear base and more of like oh okay let's do this yeah it's also like having that community and and i also it's so funny because i feel like doulas are they're not a new concept no but i feel like even you know back when i was in high school and whatever i feel like doulas were considered like i don't know quote unquote hippie shit yeah totally and like and and like it's obviously becoming more mainstream in medicine yeah. but the more i go into it it just seems so fucking important up what did important I just say? up important up <laughs> new word here today important up i'm gonna i don't even know start what that sentence over you important what? but where did the up come <laughs> from? literally no idea where it came from yeah just like it's like you, it's like you became <laughs> your iphone spazzed out and like you just i like, wasn't even reading you just like pressed something and a word appeared you know that happens all the time yeah <laughs> yes you became your iphone um anyway <laughs> sorry <laughs> um i mean it's good that medicine's catching up and i think it's really important but like why do you think it's becoming mainstream or like why are people finally starting to like is there some kind of movement that people are finally like understanding the value of a community and having somebody like comfort their cool i'm totally going to answer this based on my own opinion okay so that way you don't get like hate mails my <laughs> personal opinion we love hate mails yeah we've that's been, how we've we know getting, we've made it <laughs> we've been getting crushed recently oh God, let's start a rumor <laughs> yeah um so i i think that unfortunately and i might be totally wrong Mm -hmm. but i think it's because it got popular with celebrities like celebrities use doulas right Mm -hmm. the the movie um the business of of being born yeah like celebrities talk about doulas and they made it popular and then what happened is the doula community was like no 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 it's not just for rich wealthy people that can afford our service it's also for volunteer and community doula as well. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I, I think that that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Do I know that that's true? No! <laughs> I mean, we recently uh, had an interaction with this woman mm-hmm. in, uh, I think, California, who's trying to become a community doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were raising some, helping to raise some money for her. Uh, I'll put her name in the episode notes because it's escaping me right now. Awesome. Um, but... I think that there is a tradition of having doulas in certain communities and it in it, certain cultures as in well. certain cultures. Yes. Absolutely. And I think because we value certain stories over others and certain people's stories over mm-hmm. others, it hadn't made it into the mainstream conversation yet. Mm-hmm. And so it took the celebrities normalizing it, 
for like everybody else and then everyone who's been doing it forever is like hello you know i'm glad you guys finally got on fucking board but well, let's talk about the fact that europeans have doulas they prefer generally and i'm not specifically saying all of europe but generally a lot of countries in europe they prefer you to go to a midwife before they go to before you go to an obgyn because Mm -hmm. when you go to an obgyn they're licensed to do surgery and they know how to do surgery so mm-hmm. you want to go if it's a high-risk pregnancy right. to an OBGYN. either than that they try to get you to do either a home birth or a birthing center birth with a midwife and a doula mm-hmm. and i believe if i'm not wrong because <laughs> please fact check my information <laughs> but i believe that in germany they uh, give you uh postpartum doulas for a hot minute <gasps> So like, you know, it's like, let's like talking about that, like, you know, in this day and age, there are countries that will support parents in the beginning of their parenthood, which can be very challenging Mm -hmm. as opposed to America has a culture where we just don't support each other. It's all for themselves, like the wild, wild west. Yeah. You know, so it's very frustrating. And I think that it just tells you how much far we have to go but then how much bullshit we also have to paddle through. Yeah. And let's also think about while you're talking about that, I've been thinking about how the maternal mortality rate in the United States has been increasing. And especially for black and brown women. Yeah. Uh, According to the CDC, black women in the U.S. are three to four times as likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth related causes or or childbirth related causes than white women. And like Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like wild. One of the most famous people in the world one of the most the best athletes in the world has all the money she needs and still almost died yeah so it's, it has nothing it's coming to the point where it has nothing to do with class it has to do with the fact that they're not listening to the patients yeah and so by not listening to them there's kind of a systematic racial thing going on yeah right? and by that there's also you know obstetric violence going on where it's probably been normalized in the medical world where you know doulas and we're coming in and we're seeing this and we're like starting a conversation now about that mm-hmm. too yeah yeah just to add really quick uh that in europe between 2000 and 2015 the maternal maternal mortality rate overall dropped from 33 to 16 deaths per 100,000 live births wow so that went down uh, ours is steadily rising and ours is so it's gone down whereas at this in this in a time period uh from 2000 to 2014 ours has gone up 26.6 percent um from 18.8 deaths to 23.8 deaths per 100,000 um which is and a lot of them in any developing world yeah or developing country 20 to 20 20 to 50 percent of those deaths are due to preventable causes like hemorrhaging high blood pressure infection and so when you look at kind of what uh what i see and correct me if i'm wrong absolutely as as sort of the purpose for doula it's such it's so individualized care and you build a relationship with your patient and you're looking for these sorts of things and so it's understanding that childbirth is a is a thing that can require medical intervention but doesn't necessarily have to at all times exactly you know i think that everybody there's a phrase that i like to and i got this from my collective that i work very closely to carriage house is that you birth how you live your life right and some people are like what does that mean But it's like, here's the thing. So let's talk about that for a hot second. Like if you trust your doctor and you feel safe in a hospital, you're going to have a baby in a hospital, maybe natural, quote unquote, natural birth, meaning no interventions, no medical drugs in a birthing center might not be the thing for you. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Totally. You know, I think that and then like, let's say, for example, you are more holistic. um, You trust your doctor, but you feel very strongly about non-intervention birth. 
look into a birthing center. Look into a birthing center that's close to a hospital if anything has to be transferred, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also respecting people's boundaries, respecting how they live their, their life, and respecting how they want to birth their baby. Absolutely. You know, once we start to have more respect and listen to clients when they say, this is what I want and this is what I don't want, with consent and information, mm-hmm. then maybe things will start to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was reading an article on Vice. I'm not sure if you know the, uh, what's her name? Malatesta. She uh, sued her hospital because they advertised as like a place that um, allowed you to do, to pick your own form of childbirth, mm. like sit, stand, squat, like whatever your, your plan is that they would do it within the hospital, the bounds of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor wasn't, um, on call so he didn't show up and she wound up being they they wouldn't listen they wouldn't they ignored her her when she told them what she wanted um she was uh told to obey and then when she was giving birth she was violently pinned down to the bed um and how are you supposed to give birth like that (sighs) it's like thinking about women in hospitals giving birth like handcuffed yeah yeah like twilight zones Yeah. yeah Yeah. Like Twilight Bird, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that we're like, we're like yeah, Twilight yeah, Zones. Twilight totally. Zone, right? Fucking hate those zones, man. <laughs> Fucking Twilight Zone motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there was a doula named Emily Varnon and her like, the favorite quote that I saw in this article was that. the Oh, she's Emily Moonbean on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her. Yeah. Um, she's the one who said the amount of times I've had to say she's saying no and you have your hand in her vagina, you need to take it out is unreal and that like she feels more like a bodyguard than a doula so instead of like offering comfort and you know care and like what is good for that woman's autonomy they're protecting more of a like barrier and protection Mm -hmm. and like able to give to say no when they can't absolutely and a lot of births you do feel like that and you know we as doulas we also have to remember that that's not our birth you know, we're not medical staff, so we can't really say much. Yeah. You know, so we do live in that like conundrum, like fine line of when to actually speak up, when to not speak up, when to not get banned. Like doulas can get banned from from hospitals. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like oh. we walk. Oh, yeah. So like if we quote unquote <laughs> disrespect a doctor of however what he thinks is disrespectful mm-hmm. to him or her at the time they can ban us from a hospital. So like we walk that really fine line where we don't want to get banned from a hospital because we need to work. Mm-hmm. We also want to make sure that our client is safe and having the preferences in her birth plan being met. Mm-hmm. But we also want to make sure that the family's not being traumatized and baby's alive. So it, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that there are many hats that we fill when we're in a room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a photographer at the same time I'm holding space at the same time. I'm making sure that, you know, she's getting the, uh, not making sure, but like trying to at least like fucking entertain the idea that she's going to get a epidural or if she wants to, you know, yeah. like there's so many things that happen. So yeah. it's really it, it's a lot. You know, that's why we as doulas talk so much about self-care, because we have to kind of be on guard the whole time. Um, listening to my friends talking about doctors and what they miss and and stuff like that. It's like I would I'm like for the fucking so nurses scary. and doulas 100 percent. Yeah. Because those are the people you interact with. And I feel like and I'm totally making a blanket statement here, but I but it's the difference between I, I think like those are the people that I think see me as a person mm-hmm. as opposed to being seen as a patient or a number or something like that. Do you and know you what I mean? Both. 
you know, I do have to say that I, I, I have attended births in the past where they had an OB, they had a birth at the hospital. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences. It was like mm-hmm. time, top five best experiences for me as a doula. So not to say that doctors are evil, but there are a lot of things that are happening in hospitals with OBs that's being not being addressed. And yeah. I think that it's like that rotten apple in the in the tree or in the sack, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is. <laughs> you know, there's a rotten apple in the sack. Everything's going to get rotten. You know, yeah, it's is that, like that. Yeah. Is a that rotten a apple in the sack makes all the apples go bad. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds not right, but sure. <laughs> so it's kind of like that situation. You know what I mean? Like there are fantastic OBs out there and there are fantastic mm-hmm, midwives. And but some midwives sometimes Got give it? a bad reputation. The rotten apple injures the neighbors. Oh, uh, weird! I <laughs> never ex- would have guessed that. It is an expression coming from 14th century Latin proverb. Well, there you go. Nice. I just pulled something out of the 14th century. Look at you, <laughs> time traveler, right here. Oh, yeah. Yep. Not to say that all of my experiences have been bad. I've had some quite fantastic ones, but unfortunately, it is the situation where, like, yeah. One midwife might give you a bad rep. My, yeah. you know, one OB might give a bad rep. And it happens a lot. Yeah. It's with anything. I th- and, and we always talk about that. Like, obviously, there's amazing doctors. There's amazing OBs. But like within that, like overall, I think we're talking about the side of the medical community that has often kind of given rights to that super given rights to a baby that supersedes the woman a 2014 survey of over 2,000 doulas childbirth educators and labor and delivery nurses in the U.S. and Canada found that almost 90 percent had witnessed a care provider engage in procedures without giving a woman a choice to consider or choice or time to consider and nearly 60 percent had observed providers perform procedures explicitly against the women's wishes and like, especially I just found out I had no idea that this was a thing, mm-hmm. but uh, court ordered C-sections. What? <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm yeah. Not lie. I'm not yeah. surprised wait, at all. Wait, 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 wait. Like wait. when the court uh, your over overrules your. So, oh, yeah, wishes. it's essentially when an OBGYN is su- suggesting that her like that the baby is in peril Mm. and so that they get a court order to give her a c-section if she denies it and it had i think it had to be overturned yeah so in some circumstances the OBGYN's ethical obligation to safeguard the pregnant woman's autonomy may conflict with the ethical desire to optimize the health of the fetus Forced compliance the or the alternative to respecting a patient's refusal of treatment raises profoundly important issues about patients rights respective autonomy violations of bodily integrity yada 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 yeah wow it just feels like somebody had a lot of time in their hands yeah i mean in 2016 the american college of gynecologists and obstetricians issued a comprehensive committee committee opinion affirming that the just they overturned it (laughs) yeah as they fucking should yeah Yeah. that like it just seems like a waste of time and somebody had too much time in their hands but not really because it says that a decisional a decisional capable pregnant woman has the right to refuse treatment and discouraging in the strongest possible terms the use of duress manipulation coercion physical force or threats right but that still kind of leaves it open to the fact that like if they really wanted to get a court order they could yeah that's really it's just you know it's not if we if we look at the legislation around women women's health care mm-hmm. women's bodies it's yeah. not terribly surprising because 
we've talked about this so many times that this it's in so many ways it's the second you get pregnant all of a sudden you are secondary to whatever is in the eyes of the law it feels like we we then become secondary to what's growing inside of us mm -hmm. uh, hi we just were able to vote like last century right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's <laughs> fucking nuts yeah it's like i mean how long have we been like how long how long do i have to put a paper on a stick and like fight for my rights like yeah mm -hmm. Like, how long do I have to do this? Like, I just have a really hard time understanding. Honestly, like, that's the greatest weapon is that birth doulas kind of have the knowledge of, like, where you can go because they've witnessed it. Well, I feel like, uh, like, the Grim Reaper is, like, my best friend. Like, we, we, we oh. really walk the fine line of life and death. Like, think yeah. about it, you know? Like, I've unfortunately witnessed babies be born that were not breathing, you know? Yeah. And did not take a breath anymore, you oh. know? So, like, and then I've witnessed babies that did take breath. Yeah. So, you know, it's we witnessed a lot of things in, you know, at the hospitals, birthing centers, homes and birth in general that really puts us in a really like. Interesting path. Yeah, for sure. Oof. So doulas are already kind of seen as something, I don't know, extra or like. Oh, absolutely. Bougie, I would say, like sure. something rich celebrities have made popular. So, like, obviously, yeah, yeah. it's something that like. It is maybe not something everyone considers to get in terms of self-care for themselves. I think it's incre like incredible to even have a doula before and during birth. But the whole idea of postpartum, especially in the U.S., seems like Absolutely. gratuitous and it's not. I think it's amazing. Well, I think it's super needed, you know, yeah. especially like in the city of New York. You know, 90 percent of my clients are clients that don't have family around. So they rely on somebody extra. Extra, like they rely mm -hmm. on extra hands not somebody extra i mean i'm extra but not like that um and so having that extra set of hands to be able to help them really really is helpful yeah you know and, and however way they want that mm -hmm. and it looks different i kid you not like if i could sit down here and tell you about each and every birth that i've attended we would have to be here all day yeah because every single birth has been different it's really mm -hmm. like a snowflake you know that's Aww. why the idea of birth is just so individual mm -hmm. it sounds very like yeah you could go by textbook but i have never seen a book by textbook mm -hmm. it's never been the same yeah you know and the same goes for, for postpartum because you have to understand that people are different regardless if they're from the same family if they're like in the same group of friends they are just gonna raise their kid differently mm -hmm. and it's all about acceptance and just respect yeah i'm not sure if i saw it on your website or just in general but the mm -hmm. support of a partner as being part of the doulas. Oh, duties. yeah. Well, a lot of times, you know, I do get those macho dudes that think that I'm going to like substitute that. And I'm like, well, I didn't get her pregnant. So no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Go on. Go on. <laughs> right? No, I like invite them. And of course, like men can be big babies where they're like, I can't see blood. You know, I can't cut the cord. And I'm like, all right, fine. That's that's fine. Yeah. You just sit there and just be supportive of her. But some dudes, you know, specifically cisgender men, yeah. which have been 90% of the partners that I have supported, you know, they want to get involved. And it's, you know, they might get a little traumatized as one does in birth. But a lot of times it's very beneficial for the laboring partner as well. Well, there's like the star, right? Yeah. And then there's the backup singer. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you got to be the backup singer. Yeah. yeah. The partner is, is the a backup, backup singer, singer who still deserves to be taken care of. Sure. But yeah. not nearly as much as that star. Get that girl a pull in spring. Yeah, and I'm the guitarist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, you are. Overall, I feel like it's been universal that we give birth on our backs, mm -hmm. right? But from what I understand, I feel like that happened way back in time. And there's theories 
This is my favorite theory. Yeah. Uh, theory time. Pump it up. So the earliest records show that women gave birth squatting, sitting, standing. There's a sculpture of Cleopatra kneeling while she gave birth and like birthing stools and chairs that date back to the Babylonian times. But according to legend a ha- and a handful of medical scholars, Louis XIV had 22 children by both wives and mistresses alike and had a fascination with watching women give birth. So he didn't want anything to obstruct his view. So like kneeling or squatting. To it's be- like birth porn. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's the thing. Oh my a God. lot of guys are like real, like they get in there and I'm just like, wow, dude. Like, Ew. Back up. <laughs> back up. <laughs> back up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People just like, are like wiping wow, their glasses they, like, off. Totally, yeah. They like really want to get in. They really want to see the baby crown. I know. It sounds really weird if you're not used to it. Like girl, like when I got into birth, into the birth world as a birth worker, I had no fucking idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah. I've never seen a baby come out of a vagina. Ever? Still? No. Oh, I damn. mean, I have now, Queen. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what kind of doula are you? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Virtual. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I can understand how it can be like super freaky, but like I've seen dudes that are like, oh, yeah, I want to see it. They're like totally into it. And I'm appreciative of that. I'm like, yeah. hey, you know what? At least you're not being the weirdo that's like trying to pass out in the corner and get all the attention. Yeah, that's fair. Fair, yeah. fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair. No, like, yeah. I'm like, hey, you're into this? Cool. That means you're probably going to be into taking care of the kid, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I'm like, and okay, the lady. cool. Yeah, like, and do you? I'm and cool. you're not going to be one of those fucking dudes who all of a sudden, like, feels weird about having sex with their wife anymore. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Because that is exactly. legit a thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially if you've... um had a really traumatic birth absolutely yeah months uh new york is planning to ex- to you to expand the use of doulas in order to reduce childbirth deaths oh nice that's so de blasio a, administration yeah. is launching a comprehensive awesome. plan mm-hmm. to reduce maternal deaths and life-threatening complications from childbirth among women of color mm-hmm. by leaning more heavily on doulas and normalizing awesome. doulas which is fantastic yeah. i'm actually i was actually wondering more when we look at uh at industries that have grown kind of outside of um, regulatory bodies mm-hmm. and how that would either move into a regulatory to being more regulated in terms of having like a standardized system of education. I, I don't know. Like I'm thinking about these different companies that have kind of disrupted different industries. So looking at, you know, like Uber, like I hate to use Uber as an okay. example, but like you do use Uber a lot. But it's, a, it's like the perfect it's the perfect disruption. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. there's a lot of different things that are coming in and disrupting different organizations. And I wonder whether like whether considering that as far as I know, doulas kind of operate outside of regulatory bodies, whether it's kind of like ripe for a disruption and there's going to be a company to come swoop in and create this like oh. doula app. This went a completely different place than where I started. They can create all the doula apps they want. Mm-hmm. The matter of the fact is what really works is when there is a human present and yeah. that human is called a doula. Oh, I don't mean like that you do it on your phone. I mean like to find people. Oh, well, you know, I mean, there already is stuff like that out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not bothered by that. I'm also the type of doula that believes that there is a, a client for every single person, every single doula out there. I don't believe in comp- competition because I go to hospitals all the time and there are a lot of rooms without doulas. Mm-hmm. So... In regards to that, they can create all the companies they want. They can create all of the things. And I'm like, good, great, let's do it. Yeah. Um, what it matter of the fact that it comes into it is, you know, the Medicare situation. I know that I and again, like I'm not really knowledgeable specifically on the details, but I know that they wanted to get some doulas on Medicaid so they would pay a certain amount of money 
and then they would have to do a certain amount of services. So for example, they would have to, they would pay like around $500 and then you would have to do like four prenatals, the duration of the birth and like six postpartums. They, who would? Who, like when us you, doulas, that's like. You would pay $500? No, no, no. The clients would pay $500 or Medicare would give us $500. So insurance does cover doulas? No. That's what I was going to ask. Like how not like. I this is a thing that I've that I've never asked because I always feel like I get weird thinking mm-hmm. about like money and stuff. But like how? But I that's the thing. Like I think that you know, as women specifically, mm-hmm. we need to stop doing that. No, absolutely. Because so, I think that money is something we need to talk about. Right. Yeah. That's so, how we sustain ourselves. So one of those things that I've been reading is is what, what I was originally trying to before I went into my whole disruption thing, which is still <laughs> no, working in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there isn't a like. If you're going to become a doctor, you're going to become a nurse. There's a there are steps that you take and mm-hmm. you then command with those degrees, you'd command a certain salary. So you're looking at at, you know, a hospital in a state will set the salary for that state and all hospitals kind of work around. But you can look at a state and say, if I'm going to live in New York as a first year nurse, I'm guaranteed, let's say, eighty thousand dollars a year. If okay. I'm going to be in a different state, I'm guaranteed only forty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it seems as though doulas are the vast majority of doulas are women. And they and they operate outside of any sort of like brick and mortar standardized medical degree, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Is there a like certifications there, and stuff? Like yeah, that? certifications. Yeah, and totally. how do you and how um, do you establish like because there's nothing because I don't feel as though there's any sort of like uh, set standard by like what you have to be paid mm. in order to generally in New York. And I only speak for New York because I haven't lived anywhere else and I don't really know how it is in a lot of other states. I think it's a state by state situation in regards mm-hmm. to the money. Um, for New York, for example, like I'm a tier doula. I've attended about 45 births going on to 50. Um, I would say that I am about 1200 to $1,400 and even up to $1,800 depending on the birth, mm-hmm. depending on the collective that I'm uh, getting the birth from. So it, so that's a, a question into multiple answers, right? So I'll mm-hmm. answer them very quickly so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, regarding certifications, you do a doula workshop and you choose the, the kind of workshop that most resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And then from that workshop, you do several types of things. You do essays on books. You go to workshops. You do uh, lactation courses. So you complete the course in order to get the certification. Mm-hmm. That being done, you can be part of collectives because as a doula, you're a freelancer. Okay. So you do your own website, your own cards, all of the things you promote yourselves. But to be able to network, I suggest being part of a collective as well. Being part of a collective, they're going to have a specific number of births that you've attended. And that's the specific number of amount of money that you're worth. I so see. you are actually going to be... Uh, based on the experience that you had so because i'm a t- like i said before i'm a tier three i'm between 12 to 1800 dollars. but a tier one doula for example could be from 800 dollars to a thousand okay how many tiers are there um i believe that in how many tiers collect- is this cake i know <laughs> it's a matcha cake um <laughs> can keep going <laughs> it's it's funny because different collective have different kind of standards but it generally is like one to about four to five tiers and then quote unquote master which okay. is about over 300 births. Ooh, master. <laughs> master. Interesting. Cake. And so since you said that doulas aren't covered by health insurance, mm-hmm. are, there, uh, are there situations set up where there are payment plans or where collectives or something offers oh, yeah, financial totally. support for yeah, women? because each collective has their own program of how they like to get paid. Okay. Um, when it's privately, for example, and I have a personal relationship with the clients, you know, depending 
um, if they can, they can pay it up front total or they can do it in two parts, like one when they hire me and the second payment at 37 weeks, which is about the time that I'm always on call for 24 hours. After the 37th week, you're 100% on call because a baby can come anytime. Baby can come anytime before then, but at 37 weeks, that's when things can happen. Mm-hmm. So that's generally how it is. Okay. Yeah. And so you have one client at a time. Or- I like to have like three to four clients at a time. Like- so like I like to do, because I have, uh, I'm a full spectrum and I'm a newborn care specialist. So I sometimes will do just one month of births. So I'll take like three to four births. Um, and then I'll take turns where the next month I'll do more like overnights, postpartum and whatnot. So that way I can still make a, a good income, but not deplete myself and be able to maintain like the quote unquote self care, which is usually me lounging around in my sweat, smoking weed and, you know, like a cat. But, you know, everybody's <laughs> different, great. you know, lots of cat naps. But but I know some doulas that do strictly birth. And then I knew I know some doulas that are like strictly postpartum, a little bit of birth. Yeah. So it's different for everybody, really. Mm-hmm. And doulas, I like to say that they're like Skittles. They're all of the colors of the rainbow. So <laughs> that's why like a lot of people when they interview me, I feel like I'm always the cherry popper. Because yeah. I'll be I'll come in and, and they'll be like, oh, my God, you're the first doula we're interviewing. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay then. <laughs> All right. You're our then. second doula. We got yeah. in deep with you. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's why I always tell people, especially when I'm going to clients where it's their first time interviewing a doula, I'm like, well, interview other doulas, see what oh. you like out there, because I might not be the doula for you. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if they like me, they're gonna fucking like me, and they're gonna hire me immediately. Where's the placenta go? Oh, that's a good question <laughs> because a lot of people are like, placenta, what? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think that a placenta as an organ, it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lay it out, it actually looks like the tree, which is why they call it the tree of life. <gasps> I it's didn't really know they cool. called it the tree of life. I didn't know that. I can either. show you guys a placenta Dope. afterwards. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. Oh, no. Like it looks like a liver, first okay. of all. Okay. If you've ever seen a raw liver. But uh, then nope. <laughs> no. Sure have. Anyway, so a placenta comes out and then you can choose to either encapsulate it, bury it do a ceremonial like pagan thing mm. you could it's eat really it whatever you want my mom buried mine at saint elizabeth's hospital so oh cool yeah in boston yeah. but you can you can eat it because supposedly there are nutritional value as much as a like a cow yeah yeah they did that study a friend of mine told me the other day yeah um they suggest that you have it after you start breastfeeding so there's no disruption with the milk in regards to the placenta mm. um what else um it helps with baby blues i've heard oh yeah like you know depression postpartum depression is something very common people don't talk about it postpartum anxiety is something very common people don't talk about Mm -hmm. so like it it aids with it aids with that as well um but it's also very personal like some people are like fuck that i didn't know that it was just as common to have your placenta like above because my friend was saying that she doesn't feel her baby kicking that much because the placenta is like creating i was like she's like the princess in the pea like it's creating sort of almost like a barrier and so she nice. doesn't feel her yeah, as yeah. Much. so the placenta can be above on the side in the front but yeah, if it's on know. the bottom where it's like covering the cervix that's when it's bad oh. that's when it's like if it's already like she's eight months pregnant and the placenta is near the cervix unfortunately that's a c-section what why is that bad because it's covering the cervix so baby okay. can come out oh placenta duh, should not come out before the baby yeah i didn't know that yeah, so I've 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 actually had a uh, a client with placenta previa, which that's what it's called when the placenta is covering the cervix, and I suggested acupuncture and it helped. Oh, I was going to so ask in if some there's any way to like it helps, shift and, it. In, in some cases it don't. So it's really case by case. Okay. That's unfortunately the situation. 
because their um, degree, so like between one and two, is still manageable, where sometimes it can still come up yeah. and it's fine. But if it's the degree of three and four, which I mean, again, I'm not a medical person, so I really can't ex- explain yeah. in detail what that means. Mm-hmm. But if it's the degree of three and four, then that means that it's it's not it's coming up and it needs to be... Yeah. This, it needs to be surgery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, can you give us all your tags and your oh, website? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm, I don't have any like fancy bougie names. I'm just BonnieSilva.com. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Great. And then like on Instagram, I have Bonnie Silva mm-hmm. and then like Real Doula Club, which is like my little podcast for doulas. But like, other than that, like, it's just very simple. Yeah. I wish I had sometimes I had like baby's breath first love or something. <laughs> You know, like one of those yeah. funny tags, but I'm just like, eh, it's just easy. Me. People can yeah. just at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty exactly. much. Yeah, totally. Wait, tell us a little bit more about your podcast real quick. So yeah, can... so very quick. I, I, when I became a doula, I didn't find that there were a lot of podcasts. Like even like your podcast didn't exist like three years ago, which I, I think it was like, a very sad time. Yeah, <laughs> it was a very sad time because ages. I feel like it would have been super helpful for people that are learning about their vaginas. Blush <laughs> <Yeah>. eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I decided to create a, a podcast for doulas more to be able to be like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm like handing people a branch sticks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like in the bumfuck what Midwest, you don't have any network and you're like doing this alone. You feel like you don't have a community and it's just like, no, 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 there's, there's a community. I'm here. Reach out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And I think that that's like part of like sisterhood, like this whole like community of supporting your village, supporting your friends, supporting people with vulvas. Yeah. And like seeing what we, how we want the world to be and how we want to be supported and trying totally. to do that for other people and just. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that I think I'm personally really proud of with, um, with, the podcast and everything is that over the last year and change we've created a really kind of awesome community of people that want to work together and support each other and we've made all these new friends who have been out there this whole time that we never met and so yourself included yeah thank Mm -hmm. you and I think that that tells us of huge stories that people are longing to hear and Mm -hmm. talk about these things like Mm -hmm. you know the the questions and topics that we talk about that we talked about today that you both are talking about constantly people are longing for these things so that's why like you know we have to encourage each other we have to support each other but we also have to have fun along the way too Mm -hmm. and i think they're also looking for a different way to do things because what we're doing isn't working yeah exactly yeah exactly Exactly. so we need to flip the script flip the script like (laughs) flip a baby don't flip back though don't yeah don't stay where you are stay where you're at stay where you're at stay where you're at (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my name is Marcel, and I'm partially a shell, as you can see on my body, but I also have shoes and um, a face, so. I learned something really cool about hermit crabs this week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. This has been literally making about me hermit crabs. my week about hermit crabs. Whenever I get sad now, I'm thinking about hermit crabs. And, like, I have really bad cramps, so, like, every time they get bad, I'm like, hermit crabs. <laughs> um, so, when a, new, when a crab finds a new shell... It leaves its old shell and tests the new shell for size. Mm-hmm. And if the shell is too big, it goes back to its old shell and then it like and then it chills by the old shell mm-hmm. for up to eight hours and it waits for other crabs to come. Oh. And sometimes up to 20 crabs will come and they'll all inspect the shell for size. And if they don't fit, they all hold on to each other. I don't know why. Maybe because of the tide. Wait. Maybe they're close to the water. Or they hold on to each other they, while they're all, all the crabs. Yeah, all the crabs form like a crab line oh God, and they like get an open house. Yeah, and they get in order by size from biggest to smallest 
And when a crab finally fits in that shell and abandons its shell, they all switch shells down the line. They all move up a size. Teamwork. I know. Aww. I love it so much. (laughs) Every time someone's like, oh, I learned this really bad thing, I'm like, that's terrible. But how about this this fact about (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's so heartwarming. I'm going to live in that shell. Yeah. In that happy shell. (laughs) Like Marcel the shell. Aww. Marcel the shell. With shoes on. Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Soon to be on Medium. You can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah, yeah, go to welcometmyvagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as mm-hmm. well. You can email us at welcometmyvagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles. And suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. (laughs) Cool.